We have been on the series Save to Demonstrate, and, uh, and uh, you know, our Save series has just been going great, and really we're into the, the portion of this series that we're talking about the, the necessity of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, that you and I need the Holy Spirit in order to demonstrate the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus invited us uh, a few weeks ago, and well, a few thousand years ago, to drink in the living water that he has for us. And it's very important that you understand why we're talking, and we're going to spend the next season of this series talking about the Holy Spirit, is because you've been invited into a kingdom that you cannot operate in without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit operating in your life in order to operate within the kingdom of God that God is inviting you to live with him in. And so to partner with God uh, is so critical and important. You and I need to understand that we need to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you read the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about that. You know, don't be filled with, uh, don't get drunk on wine, but get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, what he's talking about is this continual need for us to be in the presence of God, uh, to be filled up with the, the nature of God. Why? Because Greg Fraser... And uh, you can include yourself in that as well, um, is incredibly self-centered. I am selfish beyond measure. And uh, the early church fathers used to have the saying called incurvitis and say, which means humanity is curved in on itself, which is really the definition of sin. Sin means we're constantly bending inward. We're constantly bending towards self. And so then the natural response of the kingdom of God is that we bend upward to God and we bend outward to humanity with the power of the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? So you and I need to have this revelation, this fresh power from God. In John 7, we started a few weeks ago talking about this Holy Spirit. And of, of course, in the, you know the story, the, uh, the, the, the festival of the tabernacles. And uh, on the seventh day of this great festival of the Jewish people, they would go down to the well and they would take up a cup of, of water from this spring and they would carry it all the way up and they'd be singing the Psalms. I think Psalm 112 to 118, they'd be singing these Psalms. And, and at the great height of the ceremony, they would march around the altar seven times and then they would dump a cup of water and a cup of wine onto the altar. And uh, it's a pretty powerful symbolism. And, and at that moment, of course, that's when Jesus interrupts the whole ceremony. And he basically says, if you're thirsty, come to me and I will give you living water. Springs of living water will flow from within you. And so the invitation of God is for us to have this spring of living water. Now, if you were Jewish, you would immediately understand the connection that Jesus was making. Because in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, we're going to look at today, they're actually, in that book, what happens is a river from God flows from under the temple. And so when Jesus is, when they're pouring out this water and this wine onto the altar, they know immediately that he's talking about the river of God that would flow from underneath the temple of God to a dry and thirsty world. They immediately make that connection and they know what it's about. And so we're going to look at that connection that Jesus made because we want to talk about today really going deeper into the river of God. What does it mean to live a deep life with God? Not, not a surface life. How many of you know you can be one inch deep and uh, a, mile, a mile wide and that's not very helpful? Or you can be unfathomable in your depth and you can produce a spring of life. That's what God wants to see from your life and from my life. 
What does that mean? What does it mean to live in the river of God, to be deeper in the river of God today? Because that's the only hope for this world and really the only hope for our own lives as well. Well, let's ask the Holy Spirit just to bless his word to us today and uh, help us walk through and to gain some wisdom from Ezekiel 47. Father, thank you. Hallelujah for the spring of living water that Jesus Christ is in us. He has placed his Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, the spirit of power, the spirit of purpose, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of grace. Hallelujah, the spirit of adoption. Lord God, I pray that we will grow deeper and deeper in the river of God and we will understand why that is important today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? That was three people saying amen. I cannot go forward with that many amens. I need more amen. Yeah, amen, 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 amen. Ezekiel 47. You know what you're saying when you say amen? So be it. So when you're like, no, you're like, amen, pastor, bring on the word. How many want to go deeper into the river of God? Yeah, amen. Okay, there we go. We're starting now. Ezekiel 47, here we go. The river from the temple. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple. As the man went eastward with a measuring uh, line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. Measured off another thousand cubits, led me through water that was up to the waist. Then he measured off another thousand, but how now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Put up the first picture of the temple. It should be the first picture there. There we go. This is a picture of Ezekiel's temple. And as you can see, the river of God is actually getting deeper the further it goes away from a temple, which is actually uh, a misnomer. Do you understand? Like there's something wrong with that. This picture is not right because this is the only source. Do you understand? There's no tributaries. There's only one source. So you think at the mouth of the river, the very beginning of the river, that should be the deepest point. But what's happening is the river actually gets deeper the further it goes away from the temple. And so I asked the Holy Spirit about this. Why is the river running deeper the further it moves away from the temple? And the answer was this. The river flows deeper away from the temple the deeper that you go into the temple. See, the, 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 the temple and the river are actually a mirror of one another. So when you look at a mirror, if you were to put a mirror right up to the temple, the, the very shallow point of it is the very entrance point of the temple. Are you with me? As you go deeper into the temple, the river gets deeper this way. And so you need to understand there's some kind of connection to our life and the, and the necessity for us to go deeper in God actually produces a greater flow of the river to the world. Does that make sense? And so just think about putting that mirror up to that temple, and then you begin to understand. As I walk further and deeper into the temple, more and more of the river of God flows out of my life and out of the temple. Because how many of you know you're the temples of the Holy Spirit? So the deeper that you go into the life with God, the greater the effect that your life has in this world. So pull up the next picture and leave it on this next picture of the temple. 
because this is what we want to we want to focus on. I couldn't find a picture that was fully representative, but I want you to understand there are four levels into the temple, and we're going to look at those levels right now. Uh, this picture doesn't express one of the levels, but it's close enough, so it's the one I grabbed. Um, there's an outer court, okay? There's an outer court, and that outer court is uh, on the just on the outside of, of the skirts of the of the temple, and it really represents that. It, the ankle-deep life with God. I want you to understand, guys, that God actually pours out His Spirit upon the entire world. Do you know that there's a measure of the glory of God covering the earth? That from the temple of the Lord, there's a, just a little tiny measure of the glory of God. Now, let me you to understand this. Do you know that God has done so much for humanity that we have no concept of? Life <laughs> comes from God. Taste buds come from God. Joy comes from God. The power to love actually comes from God. Do you know the power to create wealth actually comes from God? All these things cover the earth. And there's an ankle measure of the glory of God for those that are in the outer court. Are you following with me? So then we move in, and remember, the river gets deeper. My life has a greater effect the deeper I move into the temple. Now I move into the next level of the temple. So I'm in the outer court. The next level is called the inner court. I think this is actually in your bulletins too. So that you're like, I'm staring up, I can't really see it. So I want you to understand. So there's an outer court, and then as you move into the temple now, you move into the inner court. Now if you notice, the first thing that you find in the inner court is this altar where the Lamb of God, the Lamb is sacrificed in order for you to be right with God. Are you with me? The very first thing that allows you to move into the inner court is the fact that Jesus died for your sins. And by accepting Jesus Christ, okay, are you with me? You, when you accept Jesus Christ, you actually enter into a knee-deep level with God. And it's kind of the starting point. And then there's this, this, this basin or this laver where you can wash your hands. And it's talking about cleansing yourself from sin. And so really, for the born-again believer, the person that has invited Christ into their life, they come into a new relationship with God, and now there's a new level of the glory of God in their life. They're up to their knees in God's presence, which is fairly good. How many know that's a good thing, good place to start with God? And how many of you know uh, God is pleased, of course, when people, it's God's will that all men be saved, that all men come further into the temple so that their life can greater reflect God's intention for mankind. But how many of you know you can still go deeper? And so there's another level. There's the next level. And as I move forward from this, this place, this outer, this inner court, so I move from the outer court to the inner court, and now there's a place called the holy place. And that's where the candlestick is and the bread, the showbread, the bread of the presence of God and the altar of incense. And you're up to, when you, move in, when you move further into the temple that way, you actually become up to your waist in the glory of God. And do and you know what that's talking about, guys? It's talking about entering into the priesthood of believers. Because in the inner court, in the holy place, only priests can go there. So the priests are those people who, who have began to order their life by the principles of God. 
They began to say, you know, Lord, you're the Lord of my finances. You're the Lord of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm in your presence. I'm ministering before your people. I'm ministering before you. I'm doing all these things. And you and I are reflecting the fact that we're, we're basically waist deep into the glory of God. And how many know the river is getting deeper in our life? How many know the effect of our life is getting greater in this world the more we go closer to God? Is everybody with me? And then there's this crazy last place we can go, which is the holy of holies, which is into the very presence of the living God, the unveiled presence, because remember, Jesus actually tore the veil that kept that holy of holies hidden from mankind. Used to be only one man could go in there once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people, to ask God to forgive the sins of the people, and then he'd run out. Now Jesus has opened it up for all mankind to say, guys, if you want, you can go all the way into the temple of God with me, and the life of God can so flow out of your life that it becomes a river that cannot be swum across. So deep, so powerful, so amazing is the life of God. So the principle I want you to get is that the deeper I go into the depth with God, the greater depth of the river that affects this world. Which really is what I want to talk about because the scripture goes on and tells us that. Listen to what it says. It says, he led me back to the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on either side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and the leaves for healing. Church, do you know how amazing the church is? Do you know how amazing the kingdom of God is? Jesus starts with 20, 125 followers in that upper room, and the power of the Holy Spirit falls on them. And we're going to get to that in the weeks ahead. And, and basically, their lives are so changed and so transformed that 3,000 men are added to the church that day when the power of the Holy Spirit comes. And from that day forward, the church begins to spread out. Are you following me? It's moving away from the temple. The presence of God is moving, and it begins to cover the earth. And in 2,000 years, the church, I'm telling you, has transformed the world. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about us in connection with Christ as the head of the church. I'm not talking about a specific denomination of people. I'm talking about those who have been walking with God in their life and are filled with the Spirit, have affected change upon this globe like nothing ever seen before. You think about what the church has done in the last 2,000 years of history, human rights and women's rights, education of the masses. Now, I'm not talking about the things the church has done wrong because we could have a whole sermon about that too. But are you following me? The education of the masses, literacy, healthcare, hospitals, the arts. Guys, you can study history. It is a profound study to, to look at what God has done. How many have heard of, of Frank Laubau? Anybody ever, ever heard that name before? That man did more for literacy at the beginning and the turn of this century than any other human being that has ever lived. Billions of people learned how to read because of that man. 
and his sacrifice in the kingdom of God. He's an incredible story to read about how he laid his life down to teach people how to read. Wow, all in the name of Jesus. You're part of this history, you guys. Do you know that most, most universities were started as Christian universities? You're part of this history, guys. You talk about, you know, women say, well, I don't like the Bible because there's no women's rights there. Do you understand the women's rights that have come because of the Bible, because of what Jesus has done? It's incredible to see the church universal. Do you know it's not a far stretch to say that really democracy comes from a Christian heritage? These incredible things in our world that have brought such incredible liberty and blessing have flown or come out of this Christian heritage. Well, let's just look, let's get a little more down to home. What about this church? <laughs> what has this church done in its 25, 30 year history? Think about the children's lives that have been changed because of this church, this Christian school. You know, this church survived because the Christian school was alongside of it. And when people thought about closing the church, they said, no, we better not because the school would get closed. And so there's this symbiotic relationship between our church and our school and educating kids. And how many of you know I am so thankful for Christian education today? I'm so thankful that our kids can come and get, and get filled with a, an education and a perspective of having a Christocentric, a, a, a Christian worldview. Because the world is full, full of all other kinds of worldviews, which, you know what? We're meant to influence and to change. It's powerful. The youth's lives that have been changed. You know, I think about the youth ministry. It wasn't long after Pastor Matt came the first time that we saw a major move of God amongst the youth, and we would have 135 youth out on, on Friday nights. And many of those youth now are leaders in our church. God has done a great thing by coming in the kingdom of God, the river flowing into this, into this community. Are you following me? It's amazing to think about it. Think about missions. Think about what this church has done in the, in the last several years, just in the order of missions. Josh and Chelsea, I don't know if they're here today. They're not. But they're going to Mozambique. They're going on your behalf as missionaries to that nation. And I'm going to tell you, that ministry that they're going to, Sam Ministries, is a nation-changing ministry. They are amazing what they're doing. And I believe, don't tell Josh and Chelsea this, I believe one day they will run that ministry. That's people from our church that were part of our discipleship school. Oh, by the way, we have discipleship school. Do you know the change in the people's lives that have come because of, of going to discipleship school and the people that have gotten involved in this church? It's amazing to know this. You know, we've been invited this year. Uh, our discipleship school has been invited back to Haiti. They are going to run a national youth conference in Haiti. Our discipleship school. That is amazing. Hallelujah. So surprise, discipleship school, you're going to Haiti. Hallelujah. <laughs> bon Accord this year. We, you know, how many of you know we have three sites now? And actually, we can say we, could, we actually have four sites. We have three church locations, and now we've taken on higher grounds this year, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But how many of you know, like, great things are happening in Bon Accord because of the church there? You know, the church there is getting so large, they actually have to move out of their church building, and they're moving to a school, and that starts in September. Isn't that amazing? God is doing a great thing. 
Do you, do you find, guys, the, the river is flowing. The river is flowing. It's getting deeper. People's lives are being changed. The Bonacord youth, uh, I think Pastor Maddie and, and, uh, and Josh last, last, yesterday were out paintballing with all these kids, and then they had a time of prayer with them, leading them into, they've been on a journey of several months leading them into relationship with Christ. The youth group is growing in Bonacord. That is amazing. Rochester, guys, Rochester is a community of 700 people. You know, 6.5% of that community goes to church in our church there. Guys, you know that the statisticians say you are a mega church in terms of your influence when you reach 4%. They are influencing that community like nothing else in that entire community. Isn't that awesome? In Rochester, Alberta. Hallelujah. This year we got involved with Higher Grounds, and uh, Higher Grounds is a ministry that uh, uh, Crystal Turhorse started nine years ago, I believe, and you know had a vision of serving uh, the community, and then uh, we had a business family that took it over last year and ran it for another year, and, and the river started to keep continue to flow, and, and lives started to get changed and influenced, and this year we stepped in to partner with that ministry, and to me it's like our fourth site of our church. It's like, because there's such incredible things happening through Higher Grounds that can't happen through our church. And those of you that don't know, Higher Grounds is our coffee ministry in town here. It's this great little coffee place that, that we're just so thankful to God for. And, uh, you know, it's going, I want you to tell you something, just in the last uh, few months, these are the things that the, the Higher Grounds committee has been able to put money into, into the Jessica Martell Foundation, the food bank into local family military children, into senior high basketball team from the local high school, into all the local schools, into a memorial service for somebody. These are the things that have happened. And in, since January of this year, over $4,000 went back into the community from higher grounds. That's awesome, you guys. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just, it, to me, uh, probably the highlight of why I wanted to share this today is the town of Mournville just came to, to Liz and to the team at Higher Grounds and gave them $1,000 for food vouchers to feed hungry people. Guys, this is a partnership. Are you following me? This is what God always intended, that the kingdom of God is alive and well in a community and, and affecting the life of that community in a positive way, that the church is actually a positive expression in the community. That's the heart of God. That's what you're part of. That's what God is doing every single week. Hallelujah. We are grateful. Now, that doesn't even get into the individual lives in this church. It doesn't get into the life of Lynn and Lawrence and, and what they're doing with the Jessica Martell Foundation. It doesn't get into Samaritan's Purse and the shoeboxes that Deb and Esther are, are part of. It doesn't get into you coaching teams and volunteering in places. It doesn't get into people like Ray and Margot going to the prisons and visiting people. It doesn't get into all the stuff that you do when you go to work. It doesn't get into the life that you're influencing every single time that you're up there teaching and doing different things. Guys, the kingdom of God is flowing in and out of your life. This is the heart of God. God wants us to go deeper. Because if we go deeper, there's more of his life being poured out on this world. You know, I'm getting to the age of my life now, uh, kind of the midpoint, you know, we're 51 years old, 102, that should be good. Uh, you know, it's like, God, what am I living my life for? I want to live my life for the kingdom of God because that's, the, that's the, all, the, you know, that's the most exciting thing, God, that I can represent you, Jesus, in this world today.
But here's the thing you need to understand. The deeper we go into the temple, <laughs> the less self-centered we can be. That's a tough one. See, the price of going deeper with God is that less of me survives. Now, I don't mean that in the terms of I'm not going to be here. I mean that in the terms of my nature, my incurvitis and say, my constant nature of bending inward starts to yield more and more to God. And I begin to live my life for him with my hands lifted to him and my hands reaching out to this world. That's really when we find the true life that God wants. You see, you can have, listen to me, guys. Why do you think every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Because the whole world was influenced by the grace of God. There was always an ankle-deep measure of God in this world. And one day, everybody's going to know that. They're going to say, wow, you mean the power to make wealth that I thought I had actually came from God? You mean the power to love my family actually came from God? You mean, and it, the list is going to go on, and all they're going to be able to do is bow down and say, God, you were always good. We just didn't know it. Or you can live your life knee-deep, and you can say, you know, God, I'm happy to be saved. It's good enough to be saved. I'm, I'm, I'm dancing in the river. I'm, I'm only splashing in the river, really, but I'm splashing in the river because I'm knee-deep, and, and you can stay there. You can stay there. You know, there's a measure of the glory of God flowing through your life when you go there. Or you can get up to your waist and start serving and start doing, and, and, and that's a good place to be as well. But, you know, there's a place where you're over your head. There's a place where you're no longer in control. What that means is, God, I've abandoned my life to you. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Trust me, it does not mean you're perfect. It just means your first response in everything you do is to be measured by your, what would God do in this moment. And that's the invitation for you and for me in our life. See, the Holy of Holies is the very presence of God. And, and really, Jesus kind of encapsulate what it means to go into the Holy of Holies. You remember the argument, not really the argument, but the discussion he had with God at the Garden of Gethsemane when he's so stressed out, he's literally bursting blood vessels in his head and he's sweating drops of blood. And he says, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But yet not my will, your will be done. Three times he had to pray that prayer. God, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die self but not my will your will be done so how do we measure this how do we talk about this how do we understand it i've done this in illustration in the past but i'm going to do it again for you it's been several years since i did it i'm going to steal this stool what does it mean to to live this life in this room right now there are three groups of people and this is true in all the world there are three groups of people. There are people, and it all has to do with their relationship with Jesus. There are people in this world, in this room even maybe, that uh, have no relationship with Jesus. In other words, they have not invited him into their life. They haven't asked to do life with him. So we'll call those people the lost people. People, they're not, you know, dirty, rotten sinners because otherwise we're all dirty, rotten sinners. They're just lost. They haven't found their way home yet. And so that's the first group of people. The second group of people, we'll call them, uh, you know, um, spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-led Christians. And let me tell you what th their relationship with Jesus. I need a Bible. Betty, do you have a Bible there? Somebody have a Bible? My family did not bring their Bible to church. 
Oh, here we go. Thank you. Thank you, Michaela. We got it. Thank you, Lord. How to find God? You might want to read that now. Okay. <laughs> I'll pay for that later in every way. So here you are. Okay, now check this out. This, this stage is my life. See, as an un- think of this Bible as Jesus. Now, as a believer, I've invited Jesus into my life. Are you following me? This is my life. My eating, drinking, sleeping, going to work life. All my life is represented on this stage. Everything I do, everything I am, every part of me. But I've invited Jesus in. See, when I was unsaved, he was outside of my life. Are you with me? Now, I'm the second group of people. Jesus is in my life. But here it is. This, is, this chair represents the throne of my life. Who's in charge? And so when I'm a spirit-led Christian, what that means is Jesus is on the throne. That doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean at times I don't fail and fall. But there are times, are you with me? That's, that's really what the, it represents. There are many times when I still blow it, I'm still struggling. I'm just going to move this. Sorry, guys. Are you, are you following me? That's what it means to be a spirit-led Christian. I, I'm bringing Christ into my life, and he is helping me to live my life and to make decisions in my life. Now, it doesn't mean that God tells you what tie to wear. Please don't go there. You actually have the principles of the kingdom of God. When you walk with God, you can live most of your life and just knowing I'm walking with God and he's present and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of him and I brought him into this moment. You don't have to ask God and wait there until he tells you the blue tie. The blue tie. I said blue! No, that's not God. That's the devil, okay? Are you following me? Spirit led, here you are. But you know what? There's another group of people, and maybe in this room, I'm not sure, you are carnal Christians. So here's a carnal Christian. You ready? Jesus is in their life, but he's not on the throne of their life. All to Jesus I surrender. 10% to Jesus I surrender. 10% to Jesus I freely give. What do you mean that's not good enough? Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm a carnal Christian, Greg Fraser is not a pleasant person to be around. Because he wants the benefit of the kingdom of God. No laughing in the front row. I have to go on and preach now after that humiliating laughter in the front row. Are, are you following me? Now, now don't get me wrong, because there are many days when Greg Fraser pushes Jesus off the throne. But you know, that doesn't mean I'm not spirit-led. What it means is when I do that, I instantly recognize it and I say, God, forgive me. Lead my life. And, and, and somehow, I don't you know how many times, several times a day, Greg Fraser will do this. And then also my life is going haywire. I'm getting angry at my family. I'm, I'm, things are going wrong. Has anybody ever done this besides me? But, you know, all you can do is say, oh, God, forgive me. Take control of my life again, Lord. That's what it means to be spirit-led. Now, here it is, guys. The more you are, the deeper you go with God, the more you quickly respond to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you quickly put him back on the throne. 
And that's what it means to go deeper and deeper with God. Why do you think it's important that you're doing devotions every day? Why is prayer so important? Why is opening my Bible every day? Why is going to prayer meeting on Tuesday night? Why come to church on Sunday? Why? Because I need to be instilled in the kingdom of God because constantly Greg Fraser wants to bend inward. And my only hope is the Spirit of Christ to position myself to receive his grace daily, moment by moment. Oh God, because I've figured something out about life. My life is so much better when Jesus is on the throne. Guys, the best version of Greg Fraser is right now. Jesus has his place. He's in my life. I want to go deeper with him. I want to go deeper. There's a level and a depth with God that I I haven't reached yet, but I meet people like it, and I'm like, wow, when I grow up, I want to be like them. You know, when when Betty and I told Pastor Glenn that we were moving to Mournville 14 years ago, um, you know what his first response was? Now, I want to just put a context here. Pastor Glenn was the head of our fellowship in one of the largest churches in our fellowship. And you know what he said? Don't make any decision yet. I have to go pray. So for three days, he went and prayed, him and his wife. Do you know what he was praying about? (laughs) Whether to give me and Betty the church in Fort McMurray and he would move on. I'm like, who are you? That's how lightly he held power in his hands. There's a depth and a level and a power that is available to the church and to the believer that is so incredible. Now, I want us to be cautious on something. We're going to leave Jesus right where he's supposed to be. Here's the thing. The deeper we go into the temple, the more it becomes about others than about our experiences. As we go deeper with the Holy Spirit church, you know, I'm Pentecostal, and... uh, which means I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that in the future. But how many of you know you can be a carnal Pentecostal? You can be a carnal Baptist. You can be a carnal Catholic. You can be a carnal... You can be, being a denominational label means nothing. So, but you know, sometimes we as Pentecostals, we say we want to go deeper with God. We want more of God. But you know what we want? We want a greater experience. We really don't want what God is offering. What God is offering is this. There will be less of you and more of me, and your world will be changed greater because of your life. Are you in? I just want to splash and dance in the river. I'm not against that stuff. Are you with me? But what used to drive me crazy as a Pentecostal pastor was watching people dance in the river, getting all the blessings, and then going out and barking at their waitress because their fries are cold. Seriously. If the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit is not transforming your character, you need to go deeper. You need more of God. Amen? And and, and you become less... Guys, listen. You're just going to become less aware of self. That's what it means. It's not about me. It's not even about my experiences. The greatest revelation in my life came when I came to church and I realized it wasn't about me going to church. It wasn't even about me receiving from the pastor. It was about me giving to others. 
You know, you come to church not only for yourselves, but you come to church for everybody that's here. That you become a reflection of the glory of God, that your life and you matter that way as well. You know, you're not getting anything out of the way I'm preaching. Well, then just start praying for me and pray for other people. Hallelujah. I'll take it. You want to insult me? Say, man, when are you going to start preaching? Pray for me. Pray for me. Hallelujah. I need more of Jesus, don't I? But don't we all? Don't we all? See, I don't want to be a puddle-jumping Christian. See, this is the warning of Ezekiel 47. I cut this verse out when I first read it, but here it is. It says, but the swamps and the marshes will become like fresh land, like a fresh and wholesome for animal life. They will, as the river subsides, but will be left encrusted with salt. Let me read that again, because I totally just lost myself. (laughs) But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh and wholesome for animal life. They will, as the river subsides, be left encrusted with salt. You know, there are too many Christians, guys, that are just going for the experience of the Holy Spirit, and they're living in a puddle. They're disconnected from the river of God. Do you know how easy that is to do? Let me tell you how easy it is. You get blessed in something, and so you decide, I'm going to stay here because, man, I got blessed. But God has gone on. He's like, the flow is this way. Keep going. Just give that away. Leave that with me. You keep going. You keep getting deeper with me. But God, it feels so warm in here in the bath. It's so good. It's like a jacuzzi, God. I'm jacuzziing with your spirit. No, that's a puddle. It's dead, swampy land. Move on. Dig deeper. Go further so that the life of my spirit can flow through you to this world. We're not done yet, church. We got to build a church and we got to fill that church. And then we got to do another church. And then we have to do another site and another site. Why? Because there's people in this world that are living in the ankle deep measure of God and they need to see something more in our lives so that they will say, I want what that guy has. That's the advertisement of your life. You're the gift that God wants to express in this world. You say, well, I'm pretty happy in the ankle. I'm pretty happy knee-deep. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why would I bother? This death-to-self thing, Pastor Greg, sounds like it kind of sucks. Actually, not a great fridge magnet. Come die to self that more life might come to you. You know, take up your cross. Remember Jesus said? You know, stand in front of the firing squad that you might really find life. Any takers? No, we're like, God, that's the suckiest sermon ever, God. Why would we come? There's one last thing you need to know before you go. The deeper we go into the temple in this life, the more we bring with us into eternity. See, your eternity, church, is measured not just getting into heaven, See, we're all going to get the same reward. We're all going to be with God. We're all going to be in heaven. But do you know there are rewards in eternity for eternity? You, you, you talk about building an RSP so you can live to your 95 here in this world. It's, it's but a wisp, the Bible says. It's but a, it's a breath, guys. Get it together, you guys. You're building for eternity. You're building for eternity. Whatever you do in this life, whatever you lay down, whatever you sacrifice, whatever you do, God is going to give it back to you. 
in eternity for eternity. Do you know the Bible talks about the different things that we, and I've preached on this before, but I'll probably resurrect a little bit more coming forward. You see, you'll be rewarded in eternity by how you live your life now. The Bible lists character tests, external tests, stewardship tests, relational tests, all these categories of tests. There are multiple times in the Bible that talks about if you'll pass this test, you're going to be rewarded in eternity for eternity. If you pass this test, you'll be rewarded in eternity for eternity. And, and, and you know, you're conscious of your retirement. You better get conscious of this. That whatever I lay down in this life, whatever I say yes to the Lord, whatever I say, God, you're sitting on the throne, I'm going to live relationally with you on the throne, God. I'm going to live in my, in my stewardship of my gifts and my talents and my abilities with you on the throne, God. I'm going to live all of my life in this world. My external witness, God, will be with you on the throne, God. Because I'm building an earth, not an earthly retirement, but a heavenly retirement. And I want to have a good retirement. Are you with me? This is the heart of God. Go deeper, guys. Go all the way. Get into the temple. All the way in. And God will meet you there. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians. I didn't put this on your verse, but you can all read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now if a man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones or with wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on the earth remains in heaven, he will receive his reward. Wow. It's gonna be great to be in eternity with Jesus and with all of you. Don't get me wrong, that is the premier award. That's the, that's the award that every worker receives, whether you've been working for an hour or for 12 days or 12 hours. Are you with me? We, we are all gonna receive that, that life with God and that presence, but I'm gonna tell you there is more in eternity. Jesus talked about the greatest and the least in the kingdom of God. You can actually build your heavenly retirement just by responding to the Holy Spirit in this life. And I want you to understand something. This isn't based on the great things that you do. It's just based on obedience. Do you know we're going to be shocked that day that the janitor of the church who was faithful to the call of God on his life every day will receive the same reward as Billy Graham? You're like, that's crazy. Well, God's crazy in his kingdom. This is what he promises and this is what he does. He says, be faithful. Let me lead. Let me walk with you every day. Now remember, my natural tendency is to turn inward. That's why we need to spend time together on Sundays, on Tuesdays, in Bible study groups that are starting. Youth group. Guys, go to Connect Camp. It's awesome. You've got a great godly man coming to speak to you at the Connect Camp. Don't miss it. It's going to be so good. Let me close with this last scripture on the river. Because it's the very last chapter of the Bible. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Clear as crystal. Amy, why don't you come up and lead and just uh, get on the keys with me. Clear as cr crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb of Christ. 
in the middle of its street on either side, the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month with its leaves of the tree, there for the healing of the nations. There will no longer exist anything that is cursed. What a great day this is gonna be, guys. Because sin and illness and death are gone and the throne of God and the Lamb of it will be there. And his bond servants will serve and worship him with awe and joy and loving devotion. Do you know what a bond servant is? Let me pause on that. You can stay on that scripture. A bond servant is one that has been released from their, their duty. They've been set free, but they go back to their master and they pierce their ear on the doorpost of their master's door. And they say, Lord, I, I, I've been set free by you, but I desire to serve you with all of my life. And they dedicate themselves to their master with no strings attached other than their devotion. That's what it means to be a bondservant of the Lord. Church, you've been set free by Jesus Christ to do whatever you want. You choose how deep you go into the temple. You choose whether you're gonna surrender your life fully and more completely to him. You choose who sits on the throne. He will never push you off, ever. You have to place him there every day. Amen? That's the invitation for us to go deeper. Hallelujah. The less self-centered Greg will be, the more he'll be into it for others than his own experiences, and the more rewards he will build in eternity if he will live his life now. I don't know how many years I have left, but every moment I have a choice as to how deep I'm gonna go with God.